Good day and welcome once again to our Bible study. We're going to continue on in the Gospel of John chapter 4. And we're covering verses 19 through 26 today. And the title of today's lesson is Jesus Talks to the Samaritan Woman, Part 3. So reviewing from the last couple of weeks, we've seen where Jesus is in Judea. And he leaves Judea. And he, he wants to go to the Galilee, but before he goes to the Galilee, he kind of veers off and he makes a stop in an area called Samaria. Now, understand that the Samaritans were a mixed race, right? They, they were part Jew, but part Gentile. And to the Jewish people in Judah, in Judea, I mean, that was just a mock on, on the Lord. You just didn't do that because the Lord had told them. You don't, you don't marry outside the Jewish race. So the people in the south in Judah looked at the Samaritans like they were wrong. They were different. It was a disgrace, sort of. So they didn't communicate. So Jews and Samaritans didn't communicate, didn't talk, had no interaction whatsoever. But we see that Jesus goes through Samaria. And he goes to there because he has a job to do with this Samaritan woman. And he meets this Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. And this woman comes to Jacob's well, if you remember, every day at noon. And Jesus had been walking. And Jesus asked her for water. But this woman, you're going to see that she's tied to her culture. She's tied to her traditions. She's tied to her religion. And that's what Jesus is trying to make her understand. That's the reason Jesus veered off. Because he had a job to do and he had a message for this woman. That it's not about religion. It's not about tradition. It's not about your culture. Because all of that is passed down from generation to generation to generation. Most of them things, especially religions, man-made things. And Jesus says that I am he. I am the Messiah. I am the way to the Father. And we're going to see that this woman, she knows God. She knows about God. But Jesus has a very important message to her that the truth comes first and Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the word. And that's what Jesus tells her and he points out to her that as long as your focus is on the truth and on the word, you have to have a kingdom mindset. Because if if your focus is on the truth, then you can worship in spirit. And if you worship in truth and spirit, as you're going to see in today's lesson, God is pleased with that. Because if you're not worshiping that way, if you're putting traditions, culture, and religion over the kingdom of God, over me, he's saying, then that's not what's pleasing to the Father, right? So we see that this woman thinks naturally from our last couple of lessons. Because Jesus last week tells her, I have water that I can give to you. And it's going to last forever. It's going to last for eternity. And we know that this woman wants some of that water. But she's thinking in the natural. You see this woman's middle-aged. And this woman comes to the swell every day at noon. And she draws water. But she draws enough just to satisfy her for that day. So every day in her mind, she knows she has to come back to this well. And she has to draw and draw until she dies. So when Jesus offers her eternal life, in her mind, it's in the natural I'll never have to come back because it's going to be enough to satisfy me, you see. But she's missing the point. 
She's thinking in the natural and she's not thinking kingdom-wise. She's not thinking in the spiritual realm. Because what Jesus is trying to tell her and show her is that I am he. I am the Messiah. I am the one that you read, that the prophets told you about. I'm here talking to you right now. Live, in the flesh, so to speak, right? And Jesus also tells this woman, if you remember towards the end of last week's lesson, he says, go get your husband. And she says, I have no husband. Now, in a sense, she's telling the truth, but in a sense, she's not. And Jesus says, you are correct. You don't have a husband now. You've had five husbands in the past, and the man that you're living with now is not your husband, he says. So this woman says, sir, I take it you're a prophet, right? I take it you're a prophet because you know these things about me that no one knows. So it's got to be revelation from God. And that's where we left off last week. So open up your Bibles to John chapter 4. And we're going to be starting in verse 19. Now, I know we ended in verse 19 last week. We're going to start back in verse 19 today. 19 through 26 says this, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet, and our ancestors worship on this mountain. But you, the Jews, claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, the one that they call Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So let's go back to verse 19 and decipher what's going on in this story between Jesus and this Samaritan woman. Verse 19 starts off and says this, Sir, the woman said, I see that you are a prophet. Now, if you go back to last week's lesson, Jesus is telling her what I just told you a few minutes ago. Jesus tells her, go get your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you are correct in saying that because You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. So Jesus tells her her life story, and she's awestruck, and she's taken back. See, she understands this from two levels. She's saying, I've never met you before. You know nothing about me. I know nothing about you. You're a Jewish man. I'm a Samaritan woman. We, we don't have no interaction whatsoever, but yet you know all this about me. So she is saying, there's no way that you could have known this about me unless God has revealed this to you. So she understands that Jesus has divine revelation. Now, this is important because this is where Jesus wants to take this conversation, right? See, he wants us and he wants her to understand things from a prophetic standpoint, from a prophetic viewpoint, so to speak. 
You see, everything that he has been speaking to this woman up to this time has to do with the kingdom. It has to do with a kingdom reality. And this is what he wants to depart to this woman. He wants this woman to understand things from a kingdom mindset. So he tells her that that he's going to give her a spring of water. And that water is going to last for eternity. So she knows right here that he's some type of prophet because he has divine revelation from God because of what he's been telling her. But the question is this, is she ready to receive him? And I'm going to answer that question right now. No, she's not. And, And why do I say this? I say this because if you look at the next verse, she goes back to the Judean and Samaritan conflict, right? But you know, we're kind of a lot like this woman because at times in our life, we go back to that conflict. And what that conflict am I talking about is our religious and our culture and our tradition conflict. See, we live in a society that believes and pushes things like traditions on us. And those traditions, maybe those religious beliefs, those cultural beliefs, they're counterproductive in our lives. See here, Jesus is offering this woman something good, something that is satisfying, something that is eternal. And what does she do? Look at verse 20. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain. So she turns to Jesus and she says, our ancestors worshiped here. So you see, she goes back to her religion. She goes back to her culture. She she goes right back to that religious conflict. And and she's speaking about worshiping here. And you know what she's going to tell Jesus? She's going to tell Jesus, you're going to say that we worship in an inadequate way. That the way we worship is no good. But you know what? She's correct. She's correct in saying this. And why do I say that? Because you see, if you aren't living or connected to the kingdom, if you're not living a kingdom reality, if you're not pursuing the kingdom, then your worship will be inadequate. See, it won't be rooted in the power of God. Amen? So if, if it's not connected with God, and, and if you are worshiping in that way, then you really don't understand. And look what else she says in the scripture. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So she answers Jesus and she says, you Jews believe that that we have to go to Jerusalem to worship. Now, Jerusalem is a very important part in God's purposes, in the kingdom's purposes, right? But, But look what Jesus tells her. He tells her, he says, you know, woman, it's going to be coming a time where you don't have to go to Jerusalem, right? In other words, you don't have to go there to worship God. Because really, she's she's talking to the king of kings right now without her knowing because she's blinded. Because she had been deceived, so to speak. Because of her traditions and because of her religion, right? She's right here at Jacob's well, and she's talking to Yeshua. She's talking to Jesus Christ. She's talking to our Lord, our Savior. Look at verse 21. Woman, Jesus replied. Now, when he says woman, this term is not out of disrespect. 
right? Understand this from a Hebrew perspective, from a Hebrew culture. It's the same thing as in English as we would say ma'am. So he's not showing her disrespect here when he calls her woman. It's just the opposite. He's showing her tremendous respect here. So Jesus says, woman, believe me, a time is coming where you won't worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, right? So Jesus is saying it's not a physical location that you can worship. See, you don't have to go to, to some particular place at some particular time, at some particular day to worship God. He says you can worship God today, starting now. You don't have to worship it in Jerusalem. You can worship it here, right here at Jacob's well, right? Now, does this mean that Jerusalem is important in God's plans or in the kingdom's plans? Absolutely not. Jerusalem, we know, is very important to God. It's very important to the kingdom. Jerusalem is very important to Bible prophecy in the end times, right? See, the Jews are his chosen people. Jerusalem, right? Israel is the chosen nation. Jerusalem is the chosen place. It's the Holy Land, right? And this place will play a very, very pivotal role in the very near future. See, we know from Bible prophecy that there's going to be a one-world government. And we know from Bible prophecy there's also going to be a one-world religion and a one-world currency. Now, the one-world religion, we're on the brink of that. That's starting up in the spring. You need to go YouTube it and go do some research and go, just go do your research and see who's behind this one-world religion. And we're on the very brink of a one-world currency. Probably can happen within six months to a year. Right, a lot of a lot of scholars predict, and if you look at the world and how the world's going today, we're very close to that, right? So, Bob, Bible prophecy is being fulfilled right now as we live in our age. So, we are at the end times. Now, where we are in the end times, I don't know, but you, if you know Bible prophecy, you you, you know the seasons. You don't know the time or day the Bible says that Jesus is coming back, but you learn the seasons through Bible prophecy. That's why Bible prophecy is very important. That's why we should study Bible prophecy. So we know the times that we are in, so we won't be caught off guard, so we're going to be prepared, amen, right? And we know that towards the end times, what's going to happen is this one world government is going to form, but this one world government is going to turn against Israel and be against Israel. And we know in the last days that the nations of the world, this one world government, will do what? They will surround Israel, coming to attack Israel. But you see, during the seven-year tribulation period, right before, Israel is going to be on the brink of, of, of giving up their land, giving up the promised land. But there's going to be a man that's going to rise up, come to the defense of Israel. And that man's the Antichrist. And he's going to make a treaty with Israel. He's going to make a truce with Israel. And that seven-year treaty is going to be broken halfway, at the halfway point. And that's when he declares himself God, this Antichrist. He declares himself Lord. He says, you worship the beast. You worship my image. You worship me. And if you don't worship me, you'll be put to death. If you don't worship me, you can't buy or you can't sell. In other words, if you don't take my mark, 
you're going to starve to death. And if you refuse to take my mark, we might even kill you before you starve to death. This is coming in the end times, people, right? And we know at the very end of that seven-year tribulation period, the nations surround Israel, and they're fixing to attack Israel. But you got to remember the promises of God. God said there's going to be a remnant of Jewish people that do what? That's going to come to faith in Messiah. See, 96% of the Jewish population today, they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They're still waiting for the Messiah to arise, right? And when this Antichrist at the halfway mark of the seven-year tribulation period goes into the Holy of Holies, what he's going to do? Declares himself Lord. What happens to the Jewish people that's left that are still living? The Bible says they flee to modern-day Petra. They flee. And, and, and the Bible tells us that is God's remnant. And God will protect those people. And the Bible tells us that if God wouldn't shorten the days of the seven-year tribulation period, especially the last three and a half, no man would make it alive. So we know that God somehow supernaturally shrinks the days where they're shorter, right? So that seven-year tribulation period can come faster. Because if he wouldn't do that, no one would survive it, the Bible tells us. Then they surround Israel at the end. But right before they attack Israel, Jesus comes back with the bride from heaven. And Jesus lands on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus speaks one word. And he destroys the nations of the world. He destroys the evil of the world. And Jesus sets up his millennial reign in Jerusalem. The Jerusalem as we know it today where Jesus will rule and reign for a thousand year period on this earth, which is called the millennial kingdom. And we know at the end of that thousand year, Jesus releases Satan once again and his demons to run rapid on this earth until Jesus finally has enough. And Jesus puts a stop and Jesus locks them up in the lake of fire, which we know as hell, for good. And that's when the new heaven and the new earth comes down. All things are made new. And Jesus transforms a new heaven and a new earth like he had intended from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. Amen. So we see that the Jewish people, we see that Israel, particularly Jerusalem, plays a very, very important part in God's plans and in God's kingdom. Amen. So going back to the verse right here, Jesus here is speaking to this woman about being saved. He says, I have this kingdom water for you, right? I have a kingdom promise for your life. But he's saying there's coming a time in the near future where you don't have to go to Jerusalem and worship. You can worship any place, anywhere you want. See, Jesus right here is pointing to his death, burial, and resurrection. Because before this, Jews had to go to Jerusalem to pray in the temple. That's why this woman says what she says. See, we worship here, she says, on this mountain by Jacob's well. But you Jews say you got to go to Jerusalem. See, she's pitting the Samaritan religion against the Jewish religion, so to speak. So she's going back 
to her traits. She's going back to her culture, her religion. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to do that no more. You can worship right here if you want, right where you are at Jacob's well. You don't have to go to your mountaintop. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. You can just worship right here. And that's how we are today. That's the message that Jesus gives us. You don't have to go to a church building. It's great to go to church because Jesus wants us to go to church. He wants to con- for us to congregate with, with other believers and worship him together. That's awesome. But the, but the message that Jesus is trying to teach this woman and still teach us is that you can be anywhere, wherever. And you can pray. You can worship. You can honor the Lord. Because he deserves all praise, all glory, and honor. Amen. Verse 22. She says, you Samaritans, Jesus says this. So verse 21, the woman was talking to Jesus. Then in verse 22, Jesus turns to this woman and he tells her again, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. But we worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. So look at that first text in verse 22. He says, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. But you know, this speaks about the truth today. See, Many people today think that you have to do something or you have to go to this particular place to worship. You see what I'm talking about? People worship many different ways, many different things, many different places. They go to this place to worship. They might go to this place to worship, right? They go on retreats. They go on pilgrimages. Now, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing. This is all good. It's all great. Don't get me wrong. It's not what I'm saying. But why do people do this? See, this is what Jesus wants us to understand. They do this because of their religion. They do this because of traditions. They do this because of their culture. You see, the Samaritans followed their own traditions. And because they followed their own traditions, they went away from the Torah. Now, the Torah is our first five books in the Bible. That's, that was their Bible. It's called the Torah, the Tanakh. That's what they studied. But because they had their own rules, their own man-made traditions, they got away sort of from their Bible, from the Torah. And they didn't read the prophets, the true prophets. They didn't do none of that. You can say they were led astray. See, many people today are in the same predicament as this woman. They follow and practice more of their religion, more of their traditions, more of their man-made rules that religion tells them they need to do than the truth of God. They they worship their religion more than they study the Holy Bible. God's word, amen? And look what Jesus says about this. Jesus, this is Jesus talking. Jesus says, you you worship what you do not know because you're worshiping religion and traditions over the word of God, over the truth of God. See, Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the way. He is the life. He gives everlasting life in the kingdom of heaven, right? John 3.16 says, So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting life. John 14.6 says, Jesus says this, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but through me. The Apostle Paul talked about that in the book of Acts. He talked about that in the book of Hebrews, right? That if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be what? Saved. So the only way to the Father, the only way to the kingdom of heaven is through Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not through works. 
It's not, you can't work your way to heaven. You can't give as much money, all the money you want. You can't get to heaven because you're rich. Jesus says, I am the way. And I am the truth and I am the life. And if you want to reach the eternal kingdom of heaven, it is through me. And look what else Jesus says. We worship what we do know. So you know what he's saying here? We worship the God of Scripture. We worship the God of the Holy Bible. Jesus is saying here, I'm sharing a spiritual truth with you. You see, this is why it's very important that we read the Bible every day. It's very important, right, that we spend time in prayer every day with Jesus. The Bible is the truth. It is the Word of God. Jesus is the truth. But you see, here's the problem. The Samaritans didn't utilize Scripture. See, they use what they thought were their prophets, right? They based everything about what their prophets said. In other words, they best based everything off of their traditions that were passed down from one generation to the next generation, from one leader to the next leader. So it was tribalistic type of worship, you can say, right? And you see what happens in a tribe. The tribe leaders lead and everybody else just follows and they don't question anything, right? So, so Jesus tells her, you worship what you do not know. But you see, we worship what we do know. We worship the God of Scripture. We worship the truth. We worship the Bible. We go by the Bible. We go by the truth. He says, for salvation is from the Jews. So this means that if you hold on to your anti-Semitic views, this is what he's telling her, then you will be lost because salvation is from the Jews, he's saying, right? This means it came out of Judea. And this is where the tribe of Judah comes from. And we know that who came from the tribe of Judah? King David. And we know that Jesus is a what? Comes from the what? The lineage of King David. Jesus Christ is a Jew that comes from the tribe of Judah. So we can say that salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeshua. So what he's saying is that your hatred for this group of people is going to cause you to miss out on the kingdom of God. So let me ask you a question here, right? Are you sitting under a certain leadership today? Maybe like this woman. Are you following a certain denomination or movement that isn't correct prophetically in regards to the Jewish people and the land of Israel, right? See, if you're in a church today and they're not speaking and backing Israel, then you need to leave that church. Because God says, those that curse Israel, I will curse them. But those that what? Lift up Israel, right? I'm going to bring you victory. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to fight your battles, right? Israel, the Jewish people, are very important to God. And because they're very important to God, they're his chosen people and nation. It should be very important to us as believers in Christ. Amen? See, another question I have for you. Are you hearing the truth about God and what God will do with the Jewish people and the nation of Israel? In the last days. See, if you're in a church that never talks about prophecy, I'm talking about prophecy in the co- that's to come in the future, then you're lost. You're deceived, right? 
Because if not, if, if you're not, then you too will be in darkness. You too worship what you do not know, what Jesus says here. You see, I know a great deal of people, they attend church every week. They do great works for the church. And that's, that's great, right? Now remember, works doesn't save you. The Bible tells us the only thing that saves us is by the grace of God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. See, those people, they attend church. But they go to certain churches that, that have man-made rules and traditions. Meaning they hear the same thing over and over every year. In other words, the pastor or, or the minister, whoever, never teaches about Bible prophecy. Especially teaches the Bible and what's going to happen in the last days with the nation of Israel. So these people are following a religion. They're following a tradition. They're following a culture that was passed down from generation to generation for generation. And it's leaving them in the dark. They're blinded. They're going to be led astray. They will be just like this woman. And I'm telling you, there's coming a time in the near future where people's going to have to choose between their religion and the truth of God. And those people that are caught up in religion, they're going to be deceived because they neglect the word of God. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell this woman. She's putting her religion above the truth because they neglected the Torah. Are you neglecting Bible reading today? Are you following a tradition? Are you following a religion that puts more emphasis on that religion than the truth of God? Now, it stains what I'm going to say a little bit. Maybe some of you are going to cut it off. But if you cut it off, then you'll be lost. You're going to be deceived in the last days. You're not worshiping God how God wants you to worship him. If you continue with the Bible study, God points, Jesus points that out. Not blight one style. Jesus points that out. Jesus says, the first thing that's important is me and my word, the Bible. So are you neglecting Bible reading? You know, I, I, I tell the men at Bible study, we have a, a live Bible study every week, a men's Bible study, and I tell them, prayer and reading scripture is the most important thing you can do every day. And we should start our day in prayer. We should start our day with scripture, reading scripture, knowing the Bible. And that's good that you come into a Bible-based teacher or you go to a Bible-based church. I encourage you to do that. Because if you don't do that, then you'll be lost. If you're not doing that, then you're probably married to a religion. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a religion. I'm not saying that. Because we're all involved in a religion at some point in our lives. But what you need to understand is the word of God comes above that religion. The word of God comes before the traditions of man. Religion is man-made. God's word is from God. It's holy. Amen. It is the truth. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell this Samaritan woman. And that's the message that Jesus is telling us all today. That my word comes first. I come first. And you got you can't neglect the truth. Because he wants to use, he wants us to use this truth in our everyday life. To be great disciples that he called us to do with the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of every nation, of all nations around the world, he says, right? But if you don't understand the truth, if you put in religion over the Holy Bible, over the Word of God, then you can't do that. Yeah, you can do great works for your church, and that's awesome. 
right? If you make it to the kingdom of heaven, you're going to be getting rewards for that. But that don't save you. Only faith in Jesus Christ saves you, right? Amen. Verse 23. Yet a time is coming, Jesus says. And now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Let's go back to that first text. Yet a time, some of your Bibles might say hour, is coming and has now come when the true worshipers. Now let me ask you a question here. Is that how you would like to be thought of? As a true worshiper of God, right? Are you someone who is truly worshiping God? As God wants to be worshipped, right? See, what I want you to see is that the people of Samaria here, they weren't doing that. They weren't worshiping the right way. Yeah, they knew about God, right? But they wasn't worshiping in the correct way. But the Judeans, they were the same way, if you, if you know what I'm talking about, right? Because there's two groups of religious leaders that rule Judea during this time. It's the Sadducees and it's the Pharisees, if you remember, right? The Sadducees, they didn't have any explanations of the kingdom that was to come. I mean, they didn't believe that God was involved in the affairs of man. In other words, they didn't believe in the resurrection. See, the Sadducees, which controlled the Sanhedrin during this time period, were far removed from prophetic truth. And this is one of the reasons they didn't believe in the prophets. See, they didn't study the prophets. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They knew the Torah. They knew the first five books of the Bible. But that's all they worried about. But the other religious group in Judea, the Pharisees, they knew the Torah. They knew the prophets. They read that stuff. They understood that stuff. But what happened with the Pharisees is they put more emphasis on their man-made rules called the traditions of the elders. And they neglected Torah reading. Sort of just like the Samaritans are doing. So all these groups, right? One was Jerusalem, was the capital, right? But these groups were far removed from the truth of God. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying in this passage, right? Now, let me ask you a question. Are you following a church that is teaching from man-made rules and putting these rules above the truth, putting these rules above the Holy Bible? See, they may be teaching some truth, right? They may be teaching some of the Bible. But they're also teaching their own traditions. They're also teaching their own religious beliefs. And if you're associated with a church like that, and you worship religion over the Holy Bible, then you too worship. And you do not know what you worship. So this passage is telling us that people need to follow God's Holy Word. They need to follow Jesus. All of it, right? See, Jesus says, we'll worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So going back to the passage, he says, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So we see a connection here in this passage that Jesus is telling us, and really throughout Scripture, between the word spirit 
and the word truth. Now, why is that? You see, Jesus is telling us is this way because it's only when we are embracing prophetic truth that you are going to find redemption, right? In other words, you will be able to understand the means of redemption when you worship in spirit and you worship in truth. And the prophet Isaiah in, ver in chapter 59, verses 20 through 22, kind of describes this, so to speak, right? What we find in that is one of the outcomes about having a redemptive relationship with God through Jesus is that you become a recipient of the Holy Spirit, amen? And you see, it is only when you are walking in the Holy Spirit, when you are anointed by the Spirit of God, living and expressing the truth, then and only then are we worshiping God and God is pleased with it, right? And what I, want, what I want to see, what I want to go back to is this, that, that if you're not following the truth, if you're not following the Word of God, then you're not going to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. In other words, the Spirit's not going to move in you as it should someone that is living in spirit and truth. See, we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and direct us, right? But it's only when we worship in spirit and truth that he's going to fully do that for us. That he starts to reveal things to us. That, that, that he starts, he becomes alive in us. You see, the minute that you become a believer in Christ and you allow him into your heart, allow him into you and say, Lord, you take over now. And you start worshiping him every day. You read the Holy Bible every day right? You, you pray every day, you're in prayer, and you seek the Spirit, and you allow the Spirit to move. Then and only then, Jesus says this, not me, that you're worshiping, and it's pleasing to God how you're worshiping. See, they weren't experiencing leadership, right? These Samaritans. Actually, the Judeans also, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they were fine with all this, right? See, this woman was fine, and the Judeans were fine with how they were worshiping God. But Jesus is pointing out to this woman how you worshiping is the wrong way. It's not the correct way. It is not pleasing to God because you are neglecting truth. You are neglecting spirit. See, but those interested in prophetic truth, they want the spirit to lead them, right? They're the ones that are moving towards the messages of Jesus. They're allowing Jesus to rule their life. Are you allowing Jesus to rule your life? Are you worshiping in spirit and truth today? Look what else Jesus says. For there are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So Jesus is saying right here that if you worship in truth and in spirit, then that's what God wants. That's what pleases God. This is what he seeks after. The word seeks means to do the work of God. God is at work in you. That's what that means. So he's calling people to himself, we can say. But for those of us that want to experience God, then he's going to definitely move in your life when you're worshiping in spirit and you're worshiping in truth. See, God's always at work with his people. God wants to fellowship with us. He wants us to rely on him through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 24. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So God is spirit, Jesus says. 
You see, unless we are the recipients of the Holy Spirit, unless we allow the Holy Spirit to move in us, right, then we're not going to be able to worship God correctly. We can acknowledge God. We, we, we can do tons of things that show that we believe in God, right? But you see, just believing in God is not actually experience the trueness of God. And, and this is the change. So, so God is saying here, now is, the time is at hand now, where you can, you can begin to experience me. So Jesus is saying. And, and you can do that by allowing the Spirit to move. And by going back to truth, by going back to Torah reading, going back to the Bible. God's holy word. Now look at the next text. He says, God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in the spirit and truth. So Jesus is saying that this is a necessity here. That's what he's saying. It's necessary that we do it this way. You see, being led by the spirit means that you are following truth. Why? Because it's truth and obedience to truth that releases the Holy Spirit and the anointing. Amen? Now, the moment you become a believer, then you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, as I said a few minutes ago, right? When you invite him into your heart, when you invite him into your life, when you say, Lord, I surrender to you, lead me, guide me, right? I'm yours. What work do you want me to do for your kingdom today? I want to be a great disciple. But I want you to understand, we can also grieve the Spirit. We can hinder the Spirit. We can rebel against the Spirit. But you see, when you're really walking in truth and you walking in the Spirit, then you're not going to grieve the Spirit. You're not going to rebel against the Spirit. You're going to allow the Spirit to lead you where Jesus wants to take you, right? And that's surrendering. That's being a total commitment to Christ. That's what a true disciple is. When we worship in spirit, we worship truth. We don't put religion, culture, traditions over the Word of God, over the truth of God. And again, I have nothing against religion. I'm part of a religion. I think we're all part of a religion. But I separate religion from the Word of God. The Word of God comes first. Religion comes after. And that's what Jesus is telling this woman right here. And that's what Jesus is telling some of us. Because some of us are married to a religion instead of being married to Jesus Christ. Let's just call it like it is, right? Because when the word of God, you hear the Bible, you hear the truth, it stings you a little bit because your religion doesn't teach this. That's what Jesus is telling this woman. And because it stings, you neglect the truth. You, you go away from the truth. But Jesus is saying, you need the truth in order to worship in spirit. And that's what's pleasing to the Father. That's what's pleasing to God. So I encourage you today, if you're involved in a religion, a tradition, culture, whatever, that you put the truth of God first, that you allow the Holy Spirit into your life, that you surrender to Him and you surrender to the truth and you put truth over your religion, over your tradition, over your culture. So let me summarize this passage for you. When Jesus says salvation comes to the world through the Jews, he's saying that it's only through him, through Yeshua, who's a Jew, 
that the entire world would find salvation. You see, God promised that through the Jewish race, all nations and people would be blessed. You find that in Genesis 12.3. See, the Old Testament prophets called the Jews to be the light to other nations of the world, right? In other words, to bring them to the knowledge of God. The, the old, old Testament prophets also predicted the coming of Messiah, that he's coming to save the nations. He's coming to save the world, right? They also predicted, right, what's going to happen with the nation of Israel in the last days. So what we see coming up is that this woman knew from these passages and from the prophets, from her religion, she knew about God. She knew about what was the coming of the Messiah. She knew that Messiah was to come, but she never realized that she was actually speaking to the ones that the prophets spoke about. Verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah, the one called the Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. So we see that this woman, she believes in the Messiah. She knows that the Messiah is coming. And she knows once he comes that everything's going to change for them. But you see, here's the reality. Messiah is present with her right now, right? Look again at the scripture. She says, I know that Messiah, the one they call the Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. So she is saying that she believes in Messiah. And right now, we're, we're just going about our daily lives, right? But she says one day things are going to change. But you see, Messiah is already there with her. You see, for us, he's already come. And if we aren't worshiping him in truth and in spirit, if we aren't kingdom-minded, right? then we are rebelling against the purposes and the plans and the movement of God in our age, amen? Verse 26, then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So Jesus says, I am he. Jesus is telling her, I am the Messiah. I am the Christ that you just mentioned. Now he uses the term, I am. And we know that this term, relates to God. It's one of the, 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 the phrases that God was called throughout the Old Testament, I am. What did God say? I am before Abraham what was, right? So Jesus is telling her here, I am he. We know what Jesus is telling her? That God is in this conversation. That God is in this story. That God is here. He is with us. And the same holds true today for us. God, Emmanuel, Jesus, right? Yeshua, he's always with us. Amen. And that ends our lesson for today. We're going to be back next week. We're going to continue on in the gospel of John chapter four. Go be the light for someone this week. Go bless someone this week. Have a positive impact for the kingdom of God. Until next week, we appreciate you all tuning in. We love you guys. God bless.